welcome to Mother of Dogs, the podcast for pet lovers who want to live their best life alongside their fur babies. I'm Tina, dog mom to Winnie and Chloe, my two French bulldogs who bring fun and chaos wherever they go. If you want to hear stories from modern pet parents about how they navigate life and business with their furry friend, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, Gabriella. Thanks for joining me today. We've been incredibly busy with new projects and a recent addition to your family. Congratulations. How's that going? It's going well. He's crying right now, but I'm trying to tune it out. (laughs) And how's your partner and Stella adjusting? Good, good. We're hanging in there. I filmed a couple of pieces of Stella just in the first few weeks that we brought Gray, my son, home. And um, she's really acclimating. It seems like we've had him around for years. I thought it would take a lot longer for her, but she's the first one, let's just say, to tell us as a family that Gray is crying before we even get to hear it. So <laughs> it's quite beautiful to see the relationship. For those that are unfamiliar with Lalo Pets, can you share what Lalo Pets is and what you offer? Sure. So I'm the founder of Lalo as well as Homeschool, which is the sub-brand of Lalo that we launched this past year. Lalo is a brand that I started back in 2018 with a mission to create a better life for you and your pets at home. We have done this through launching a series of products that are both aesthetically pleasing as well as extremely durable for your pets. We solve a lot of the problems that design savvy owners experience in their homes when they're looking for the perfect item for their pets, but it just doesn't fit the bill. There's a lot of commodity pet products that happen inevitably in the industry of commerce. And we're trying to be the antithesis of that. So all all the products that we have, as well as the retailers that source from us, they are in more of the home space and less of the pet space. This past year, we really wanted to double down on our mission to create a better life and to help people, most importantly, build a better relationship with their pets. So we've launched a product called Homeschool, which is a platform that connects and essentially matchmakes you to the best trainers, groomers, and nutritionists to help you one with one-on-one support, just build a better relationship with your dogs. So that could be anything from a 45-minute call to ongoing chat messages uh, with your expert to uh, be able to improve your relationship love that. I had such a hard time transitioning our previous living space to being dog friendly without compromising style. So thank you for being a solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to create Lalo Pets? I started in 2018 from the comfort of my very small Santa Monica bungalow apartment. I was moving to LA for the very first time. And um, I remember just being in a really creative rut at the company that I was working at at the time. And from moving from Portland, Oregon to Los Angeles, I was just really inspired by furnishing my apartment. Um, I didn't have a dog at the time, but I had chosen to adopt um, in my first month of moving to Los Angeles, a 13 year old black lab. And um, it was, it was one of those moments where I felt like it was my job and responsibility to give Gable like the best rest of his life. And he was with us for three amazing years. But in that time of both furnishing my apartment and having a senior dog that needed the best of the best, I could not find an orthopedic dog bed that would fit. He was very arthritic at the time. I couldn't find the perfect dog bed for him, searched endlessly and decided to just make one myself using fabric from the Rose Bowl flea market, which is a really famous flea market in Los Angeles, in Pasadena. 
I threw it up on an Etsy shop, just thinking it was fun. Cause some of my friends were asking for ones for their own dog. And I feel like this is a, this is so apparent of other Etsy owners, but you get that first sale and nothing else feels better than just hearing that cha-ching from something that you've made yourself. I ended up just taking the shop to the next level and really taking ownership of the pattern design process, uh, wanting to create patterns that emulated the design styles of people's homes. So um, we started with a boho collection and we've since extended to mid-century, minimalist. We have also design collaborations with celebrities uh, that are a mixed, probably more mixed eclectic styles, but ones that are, are definitely trending either now or in the future. I love that. You mentioned your friends were really wanting the same thing. Was your partner and your family supportive of your new entrepreneurial endeavor? Yes. I could have a whole nother podcast with all the businesses I attempted to start before Lalo. That's too (laughs) funny. My husband uh, and I are entrepreneurs at heart. We always have, and we attempted and built businesses before this one, but this one has been by far the most successful one. So I was the founder of the business. He came on board three years later, but was always helping me behind the scenes with the designs. He he comes from a product design background. So it's just very savvy of uh, supply and demand and making sure that you're you know selling your inventory and creating packaging that really speaks to your customers. Great. Tell me about your life before Lalo Pets. Did you grow up with dogs and what were you doing professionally? Yes. So life before Lalo, I I kind of have a double life right now because I have a full-time job in addition to running Lalo and homeschool. Uh, But I am in marketing. That has been my field for the last, I guess, 13 years. I was in advertising um, before Lalo and I worked at Uber. But since then, I, I work at a media company. And The media company has a series of spaces, their homes, so it's very much in line with my interest, but um, the homes we have are for advertisers to be able to create pop-ups inside of a living showroom, Uh, and then there's also events and influencer stays uh, within that same space. So um, I manage all the experiential for that company, um, in addition to running Lalo in the mornings and evenings and weekends. Wow. (laughs) And being a mom. That's crazy. (laughs) That's amazing. You're based in Palm Springs. Did you grow up there? And how has your location influenced the Lalo Pets brands or provided any inspiration? Yes. So it definitely has. It actually influenced an entire collection that we launched. You have the teal terrazzo bed. or And mm-hmm. so that is one of our four terrazzo beds inspired by the place that we live. Um, we live in Palm Springs in a mid-century home um, that you kind of always dreamed of owning. And um, during the pandemic, we decided uh, to just make the switch and we moved from LA um, out to Palm Springs. So the Terrazzo line was launched probably six months before we officially found this home and decided to move there. I love that you have a video for homeschool about keeping your dog busy in the heat. And I'm in the Austin, Texas area where it's been triple digits for the past I don't even know how long, but it's too long for French bulldogs and they're getting a little bit crazy. So you had a little video about how to exercise or just keep them a little bit busy in in a safe way, which was very appreciated. So I love (laughs) that the location has definitely inspired your content as well. Always. What was the biggest challenge in initially starting? Was it mindset, sourcing, financial or time constraints? 
I would say I definitely treated the project like a hobby at the time. Everything was made to order. So we had one collection and I was still sourcing the fabric from the Rose Bowl flea market and then bringing it to my seamstress that was down the street from my house and sending it to a customer three weeks later. So that process was not scalable at all, nor could it really create a real business at the time. But I would say the most challenging part was being a brand that has really taken pride in like from a marketing and, and aesthetics and like how durable our product is. Like we've really just taken the way that people perceive the brand and our product, making sure that that follows the luxury style and life that we try to promote. That is something that has attracted a lot of major retailers. And then in our second year of business, we ended up getting a major order from Nordstrom, which was our first retailer. And it's one of those things where you just got to say yes and figure it out later. And our manufacturer in Brooklyn at the time was used to maybe making like 30 beds a month for our orders on Etsy. And for, with the Nordstrom order, that was like close to 350 beds. So we had to balance both making sure our customers were getting their beds as well as ramping up production for a major retailer and ensuring everything was perfect. So in these moments of entrepreneurship, I think that the craziest stuff happens and you're like, I cannot believe I was just an empty shop or I was just making these out of my garage like three months ago. And now we're placing, you know, with major retailers placed a PO with our company and believed in us to be able to fulfill it. So to answer your question, definitely the most challenging part is knowing when to say yes and when the right time is and believing in your instinct that you're going to get it done, despite all the stress of making it happen. Yeah. Did you do any market research before you started making the beds? No, I did not. I, the only market research I would say is just me being a dog mom that wanted my apartment to look cute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Boho was a, a slam dunk in that it there, you had all these interior designers in Los Angeles that were coining the California cool lifestyle and that design aesthetic was really popular. So, um, I didn't never realize, but from the first bed, the black Chevron dog bed that we have, which I don't have it here with me, but that dog bed design was in the boho collection almost five years ago and is still our bestseller today. Wow. That's so important. You have that personal experience. And so you know what's really needed, knowing what's out there because you're looking for it yourself and then creating that solution. I was so impressed with the quality of the beds where my dogs are diggers and with other beds, we've replaced them or they weren't great. And the, the Lalo bed was durable and washable. You'd be shocked at how terrible other beds wash. That was really key. You can definitely tell that a dog owner <laughs> made the product. Yeah. So you launched in 2018 on Etsy, making beds made to order. Can you describe the day-to-day -day back then? Because you were working full-time still. Yes, really. There's a lot of late nights that we had. We uh, turned our garage that, that was not attached to our house. It was like a, kind of on the street in Santa Monica. We turned that into our studio. I just remember so many people would be like, oh, it's the Lalo team just working out of the garage. It'd be my husband and I with all of our orders, just trying to figure it out. And we just spent really, I would say mornings and late nights. And this was life before kids. So obviously the way that we work is very different now, but we believed in what we were building and we had a constant feedback loop from our community, as well as the press and the retailers. We knew that we were on the right track because people were seeking us out. We weren't pouring money into advertising when we started. It really was a word of mouth brand. 
And that inspired us to, I think, keep going despite how hard it was to try to do it. But when you're doing something you love and you see what your life could look like, if this business was your full-time thing, it doesn't matter how much you work, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. So people were finding you in the beginning, basically from searching Etsy and then word of mouth and then social media. How important is social media to the Lalo Pets brand? And if it's important, how much of your business do you think comes from your social media presence? Yes. Uh, it's really hard to put a percentage to it because the way that people shop, we just don't have the tracking software to like really tell if they're social or if their journey starts on social and then they sign up for our email list and then convert off of one of our emails. Um, the way that we think about social media is it is very important. It's one of our only channels that we have for people to see the behind the scenes behind us. Many people think we're a major company and it is just my husband and I, like we answer every single customer support email. We have an amazing team of like contractors that work with us, but we are the ones doing a majority of the work and and building the brand into what it is today. So from a pure marketing standpoint, I I would say we focus a lot on social media from one-on-one channel, talking mostly every single one of our customers gets a one-on-one message from us, even on socials, posting about the bed or finding us on social and just choosing to follow us. That to us is like an opportunity for a one-on-one conversation and to get to know why they're interested in what we have to say. And we also take a lot of time emailing our customers and customer support. Like while that always starts as a negative thing, when you open up your support inbox, we do try to always give people like the benefit of the doubt and ensure that that's a place where they feel like they understand that we're just a husband and wife team trying to get them exactly what they need. Over the past few years, you've been able to scale from the garage to various collections, collaborations, and retailer growth. You mentioned Nordstrom, you're also carried at Anthropology and Saks. So impressive. How were you able to scale relatively quickly? How did you go from your garage to that order with Nordstrom? Oh man, um, looking back, we said yes. We just felt like we could figure it out. And our manufacturer in Brooklyn definitely believed in us from the beginning. We found that manufacturer through my father, someone who used to work with my father years ago. And so there was a relationship there that was built, but it was also someone that believed in the product. And when he started to see our very little success in the beginning, I feel like once a Nordstrom order came in, it like validated also the types of businesses that he's supporting as a manufacturer in Brooklyn celebrating made in Brooklyn and also small women-owned businesses at the time that were just trying to make it. So um, that we actually toured that team, the Nordstrom team through the warehouse for them to just see all the product we made. And um, I think it's those types of stories that really keep your business going. Um, and everyone you have, you're selling a dream when you start a business, like you are selling a dream to so many people. And that could be your first customer. That could be your suppliers that you want to stick with and be able to grow with you. It's a constant negotiation of like, what are we right now? And then do you want to continue to work with us? Cause this is what we're going to be in the future. Did you pitch Nordstrom or did they find you organically? They found us. Um, I think to my husband, um, and just his pride in the brand as a whole, we, everything that every retailer we've ever been in has reached out to us. We have never like hit the boots on the ground to make that happen. 
Wow. That's really amazing. So do people typically find Lilo pets now directly with you, or do you find that they're still purchasing from these retailers? A majority of our sales are happening through um, LaylaPets.com. So the, the retailers are certainly helpful at the end of the day, but it is not like an end all be all for our business. If we lost a retailer, we'd be okay. But That's what incredible. it is for people that are building businesses, I would just say that being on Nord, like Nordstrom led to Saks, Saks led to Bloomingdale's, Bloomingdale's led to anthropology. Like they all feed off one another. So even if you're not getting that many orders at the end of the day from a retailer, people know the Lalo brand because we are sourced on there. Mm -hmm. So it's more of an awareness play. Do you find that you get more orders from a certain region of the country? Yes. Major cities, Um, California, Chicago, and New York. And I feel like Dallas is in there as well, but major cities, people that are urbanites, that uh, I would say a higher end consumer, but we tend to see that the urban cities, those people are more savvy on the trends. They're like the first to know interior design trends. When we launch uh, checkered, they're already searching for that checkered bed. Wow. And you've received a lot of press. I remember seeing articles. Do you advertise since you have the visibility in these retailers and then you do get press? Is that something that you still feel like you need to dedicate any energy into? Yes. Every time we launch a collection, we've always led to press with a storytelling mindset. So the story around our collection usually has uh, a series of um, professional content that we've created that we serve up to the uh, media companies. So when they hear from a pitch from Lalo, it's not just like, hey, we're launching a Terrazzo collection. It is, hi, I'm Gabriella, the founder from Lalo. I have taken photographs of dogs in paradise that are in the shelters in Palm Springs looking for homes. I think this would make a really great pitch on your site or a really great story on your site. And here are the assets as well as all the interviews from that home tour or from that, this was at the time was at a hotel, but the dogs in the hotel. So I love this post because it was really revealing about you and your partner. You posted that you and your partner drew have a sweet, sweet spot with adopting the broken ones, the seniors, the runs. And the ones that they say you can't fix it. Can you share more about that and how it led to your latest venture, homeschool? Yes, yes. Thank you for looking so deeply. It's something I'm very passionate about. From launching Lalo five years ago to focusing a lot of my attention on the membership at homeschool, I do realize just how much support people need for adopting a dog for the first time. So if we look at the pandemic alone, our business reacted during the pandemic. And what came with that was a, a bunch of new customers that have never owned a dog before. And while we helped them create a, this beautiful life through our products, there was so much more that they needed um, from brands in general to be able to show up for their dog in a really meaningful way. In a time of their life when there's a lack of socialization happening and a slew of problems that they could never anticipate were going to be, you know, forming down the road. So it was really important to me and just not only having a passion for adopting seniors myself or adopting broken dogs that, you know, are normally like months at the shelter. I wanted to be able to help our community make the most of their life with their pet and help them raise the best dog at home. And, and that I think training is like the number one thing that anyone can learn from them being the teacher, the best teacher of their dog for their dog and not anyone else. 
I love that. I was definitely one of those people with my partner who we never had a dog before. And then we had two during the pandemic. And then that's why Lalo Pets came in for me because we kept replacing beds because they were not lasting or we weren't buying the right ones. And also they were not attractive. And so that was something that I would Google and I was searching for and I came across you. I was super excited about the content that you created as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you tell us about Stella and your relationship? Yes. Yes. Stella is three now, but I adopted her at two and she is a very shy dog. I would say after losing my first two senior dogs, it was really hard for me to adopt another senior. Um, I know I'll foster seniors and help them find beautiful homes and share my experience with that. But as I was growing my family, I wanted the dog that I felt was going to be there for the next 10 years. And so I went the route of adopting a dog that was hard for the shelters to find a home for. And Stella's shyness was one of those things that, you know, you never know how bad it is until you take them home in your environment. And not only could I take Stella didn't even want to be on a leash, like she would just stop and freeze, um, would not move forward. She's very risk averse. So she'll look around our house and be like, I think that that painting is going to fall on my head. (laughs) She's just always watching her back. And Mm -hmm. that's like introducing her to new people, new environments, walking down the street. Everything was new to her, but um, she had so much potential. And being a young dog, I also was like, I need to help you. So I took it upon myself to train her from scratch and I just started to see her confidence open up and it made me so motivated to continue to improve my, my language with her. Because I think in a lot of ways, like dogs, they just want to know what's happening next and you need to be able to communicate their needs and your needs in order to know what they want and what's going to make them happy. So doing that every day. With my dog, Stella, I wanted to build a company that would help give people that same support in their living rooms where all of that interaction takes place. I love that. It's so needed. What is the dynamic between Stella and the baby? (laughs) It's the cutest thing ever. Um, I would say the first couple of days were a little scary. I didn't even know how to read her body language because she was so interested in the dog. Like salivating kind of interested (laughs) over time that stopped and she definitely took on more of like a nurturing role to the baby. Like she's always putting her head on the docket top when he's sleeping or runs into his room at the sight of him crying. She's actually a dog that had babies and the babies were taken away from her, which could lead to why she's so untrusted of other people. But Mm -hmm. I think her motherly instincts are coming out with Gray, which is really awesome to see. Oh, I love that. How did your experience with Gable, Cody, and Stella prepare you for motherhood? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've been a mom. I've been a mom for a long time. (laughs) I think that, um, you know, I'm very different than my husband. He's more of the intellect and I'm more of a creative. And so we always laugh that I'm always trying to come up with ideas to keep Stella engaged. So I get really into like enrichment games in the house and we just started agility and like teaching her tricks and things. And Drew is noticing that like the same way that I am about Stella of like, 
you know, we have to give seller her enrichment today. Here's another idea that I came up with or some random thing I bought off Amazon that I wanted to test out with her. I am like that with Gray um, of just like all the things that I want him to learn from. And there's a creative process in play with, I think your dogs and your children. I was the hustler when it came to my business. And it's like the, now the time that I need to spend on Lalo is the time that I need to put my son down or have like a really engaged play session with him. So my time is like very limited. Um, but what I do think it does is it allows us to be very specific around what we're working on. So like what products do we want to roll out next year? What partnerships are we fostering? We are still only a two person team and everything that we do needs to work. It needs to grow the business. It has to be what our customers are, are asking from us. So we are more discerning around how we spend our time on the business to be able to launch things that people love and continue to grow. What have you learned going from a product-based company to service-based? It's interesting. We are, we're learning a lot still. Homeschool was soft launched up until last month. So it's still very new as a, as a company and a brand. But we are always trying to find the intersection points for our customers. So even as we're thinking about product strategy for next year, I believe that there's so much more that people have to learn about what products to provide for their dog and how that can enrich their life. So if we think about like a dog bowl, as an example, like that has a conversation around resource guarding prevention and how Mm -hmm. to ensure that your dog does not resource guard. It also, if you have two dogs in the house, like there's an entire behavior that can happen between splitting up the dogs, uh, when they are eating together or when you're eating at the table, that's a conversation to have in the kitchen. When you're thinking about your lifestyle with your pets and there's the product conversation, that's the training conversation. Same thing goes with crate training or teaching your dog place. Like we want to spend the most amount of time with our dogs in our living rooms. Um, You should not only have a bed that is like on display. So your dog can be part of the conversation and part of the pack, but it's also one that you can send them to when there's a mailman at the door and you want to make sure that, you know, they don't God forbid run away or jump on the mailman. So sending your dog to their place is a product moment and a teaching moment with training. So all those intersection points, in addition to educating people with returns, when it comes to like, why is their dog chewing their bed? All of that, I think plays a role. And I love that as a company, we have the resources to be able to support that. And it's not just with training. We have nutritionists and groomers on board as well. And there's a lot to, of both product and service moments within those sectors. Wow. I love that. So what does the day-to-day look like now? Uh, we don't sleep. We, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, no, he's actually a really good sleeper. So I should, there's some nights that we don't sleep, but for the most part we do. I'm on maternity leave right now officially, but I go back in a couple weeks when we have a nanny that's starting. So we're very lucky that we have support on a daily basis with Gray but it will also allow us to be able to divide our attention between our main hustles and our side hustle. Wow. Is there a busiest time of year since you probably do have to plan in advance for collections? And it sounds like you're already starting to plan for next year as well. Yes. um, Christmas is always really like holiday. I would say that season is, it really starts in October, like when all the gift guides come out. So uh, we are always like we're in the midst of placing, you know, a large order just to make sure that we have the product in stock 
for the end of the year. And then we're launching a couple of really exciting new products that will come out with the collections, which is the first new product that we've launched outside of collection, like covers for our dog bed that we're really excited about. Oh, exciting. I'm very excited about that. How do you build these connections and relationships within the patent industry? It seems like everyone has come to you guys and then you nurture them from there. How do you sustain those connections? Yes, we do nurture them. And I will say the storytelling and the amount of work that we put into collections, like when we're launching a new product, it doesn't just show up on site. There's a lot of thought that goes behind the design and why that design even exists and why we want it to be part of people's aesthetics and style. We do the same thing with our retailers. We're always telling them what's coming out. We even test things like before it's launched to see if there's a retailer exclusive that we can offer prior to a collection because that changes our order quantities. So that definitely plays a huge role. And I just say for anyone starting a business, like if you know who you are and what you stand for, then brands will come to you because they'll want to be part of that story. I love that. Can you share some of your favorite beds and your best sellers? Yes. My favorite is actually the John Legend collaboration. We just launched that back in June of this year. And it's just one of the two designs that I feel like it doesn't fit in one particular aesthetic in the home and people's styles are becoming more mixed. And the fact that we were able to design a collaboration that I've never seen before the designs uh, within the space, but it also fits within a lot of different homes. It is that like surprising neutral that comes from a pattern that once you design it, you know that it's going to be popular. And that one for me is my favorite. I love that. How did that collaboration come to be? We have a great relationship with Etsy, I think because of our story, just starting out on Etsy and it like contributing a lot to our growth. That team has kept us very in the loop of new opportunities. Our first design collaboration happened with Joseph Altazara, who's a fashion designer and Etsy helped facilitate that as well as the John Legend collab. Love that. Were you ever surprised over the popularity of certain beds or collections? The Terrazzo line it is still really popular. And I being in mid-century, like being in the mid-mod town, literally like every house is mid-century. I feel like to me, I started getting tired of Terrazzo as a collection. I was like, Drew, we we need to launch a different kind of Terrazzo. What's the next wave of mid-century designs? Is it like color palette? Is it more like Frank Lloyd Wright inspired geometric patterns? And so we we were having that conversation. It's like the sales don't lie. People want that line. Sometimes our own perspective, it's a gut instinct, but it's also not always right. One of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast is to highlight diversity in the pet space. Have you seen or noticed any shifts in the space since you've entered? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that we definitely approach diversity when it comes to the collaborations and designers that we bring on. Um, We want to make sure that underrepresented designers, even emerging designers, it's not what you'd expect or what you've heard from before. So um, we're constantly sourcing, like sourcing inspiration that can feed into our collection. And that does come in the form of collabs, potential artists that we can work with. Also, from my experience working at a media company, the stories that our editors are telling at these magazines are very much about raising awareness of underserved creators. And I think that's incredibly important to just continue to be discovered. 
What are some of the biggest challenges as you've continued to grow the business? There's a lot of challenges, I will say, but from a marketing standpoint, getting caught up and trying to compare yourselves to much larger companies that are VC funded can be a little disappointing sometimes because we don't have the same funds that they do. And while we have the same opportunities offered to us, I do think it's harder to scale as quickly because at the end of the day, like we work on this business, what what feels like a full-time job, but very like disparate throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just don't have the funds to be able to skyrocket and see the future as quickly as maybe other brands could with funding. Do you think about expanding your team at some point and working fully on Lalo and, and not having your other position anymore? Um, we do. We definitely talk about it. I love my job. And so as a creative, I feel like I've always been like a multi-hyphenate when it comes mm-hmm. to my work, but I definitely dream of that. I think though, I want to see us have a larger product line and be able to point to success, especially with homeschool as an introduction of the overall ecosystem of how we're serving our community. I want to be able to point to that before we bring on the right investor. And I think that that's going to help tremendously in attracting the right people to um, be on our team. There are so many skills necessary in entrepreneurship. You're so business savvy. You have a marketing background. You're doing all of the things, the design. Is there something that you love specifically or would you want to outsource certain jobs? Um, yeah, I, I'd say that from an operations and business, I could be business savvy, but definitely more in the marketing world mm. than um, in the sheer numbers. So like when we're trying to predict new collections, all of that modeling, and especially new collections and new products, like trying to figure out the mix between like how we can increase average order value over time, like that is challenging for us to do on our own. And we are lucky that we have people to support us. But I do think having a permanent business mind on the team would um, be really helpful as we get to this next wave of growth. How do you deal with the pressure of entrepreneurship? It's interesting. I have pressure and I feel pressure and stress from my other job. Um, Mm -hmm. But when you are in the driver's seat, you don't feel as much pressure, if that makes sense. Because you are more control of what your destiny looks like. It's when there's all of those other factors, when I'm trying to appease people or present something or sell an idea, I'm just selling to my husband. And if we both feel good about it, we do it. And we know that it's on us if it doesn't work. So it's just lower pressure when it comes to that business. Is it working with your partner? Uh, It's not easy. But it's also incredibly easy at the same time. We work together, as I mentioned, we've been together for over 12 years and have started lots of companies. Those companies don't exist anymore, but we started a lot of things. And I feel like it kind of has set us up for running Lalo. But the most important thing for us is to just divide and conquer. So when we are overlapping with each other too much, that's when the problems arise, but we've been able to really carve out like niches and paths and instill like this great amount of trust in one another. But for anyone that's like looking to start a business with their partner, knowing your strengths is really important. And then also like just being okay with the fact that 
we're always going to be talking about the business. It's always going to be a topic of conversation at the dinner table. And we ping pong a lot of times between what we need to do for gray, what we want to do this weekend to like this massive order that we need to place for holidays. That is a blurred line that we face every day and it's how I want it to be, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. You guys obviously really love it. And so it makes sense for you and your lifestyle, which is awesome. Are there still times that you question whether or not to continue? And when did you know this would work? Uh, We've never thought about not continuing. I think that with a business that you are self-funding, it's definitely something where you don't have a lot of external stakeholders that are telling you what to do. So when we're thinking about what happens next, it's a dialogue between the two of us. And that just helps us. I think it just helps simplify things more than anything. Yeah. Can you share a proud Lalo pets or homeschool moment or a moment that made you feel fulfilled? Like you're on the right path. Yeah. I would say that the celebrity collaborations that we've had has always been like a really important nod to how bullish we've been about the design process. I think there's two ways that you can look at product design. And one is like, how can we get this as cheap as possible? And starting to cut down the original design that you had to what is realistic to produce. But then there's the other side of things where you're like, let's just make the best bed possible and then figure out if there's product market fit for those details. And the celebrities that we partner with has definitely been validation that our patterns and our like, approach to product photography and that the aesthetic that we're really trying to push or the lifestyle that we're trying to promote that attracts them enough to want to put their name on our product with our logo. And it's only happened a couple times, but it's something that I think gives us a lot of trust in what we're doing. I love that. What are you excited about right now? I'm spending a lot of my time on homeschool. I'm very excited about that aspect of the brand because I feel like I'm able to touch the lives of our customers and community in ways that I've never been able to. And every day seeing the amazing transformation stories that our trainers are able to produce and then letting people know that they can like easily speak the next day with a nutritionist. It's solving all of these questions for people that they felt like they were really alone. And that is an impact, like we definitely impacted our customers with Lalo, but it's like a different type of impact, especially for the sake of the dog. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that you also had a full-time job. I'm so blown away that you have Lalo and you started homeschool and you're a new mom. It's amazing. Very inspired. What is next for you? What's the ultimate goal? Uh, it's, it does relate, I promise, but my vision for Lalo and I like just from a pure manifestation standpoint, uh, I'm going to put it out there. I imagine Lalo having more of a physical component within the hospitality industry down the road. So when we think about you take your dog to the groomer, you take your dog to potentially a training facility, there's all of these locations that you bring your dog, like even daycare, if you're going to work. I think there is a location that Lalo can create that is for the modern pet parent that helps solve all those needs. In addition to destination, vacation locations, the mouthful, (laughs) so vacation destinations where people can come out with their dog and connect with other dog owners and receive dog training on site, 
as well as, you know, a beautiful dinner to close out the evening with people that love dogs as much as you. So I want to be able to create a space that um, can bring people together that share the same common interest and leave with a better trained dog than they had before they arrived. Oh my gosh. That's my dream come true. So please do that. I love that. So how can we support you in your work? Uh, I think just continuing to share your love for the product would be amazing. And if there's any dogs or owners that are struggling, just letting them know that homeschool is an option for them. We offer first classes free, which provides both like a behavioral evaluation for their dog by an expert, as well as a whole routine recreation for their life that better serves what their dog needs. So there's a lot that you can just get out of your first step at trying homeschool that I think a lot of your community would benefit from. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for homeschool and everything that you're creating. Thank you, Tina. I really appreciate you believing in us and setting this up. This was really fun. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Here's a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast. You can be the first to know when new episodes drop. All you need to do is open your favorite listening app, search for Mother of Dogs, and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll see you back here every other Sunday for a new episode.